Good morning. Titus is what we're going to take a look at this morning, so if you have a New Testament and want to turn there, we'll uh, be examining a few passages uh, uh, from the book of Titus this morning, but uh, we read, as Eduardo did, verses 1 through 9. Uh, I want to welcome everybody that's here and those visiting. Glad to see you and hope to come back anytime you have an opportunity. And uh, I want to thank Cameron for your comments up here at the table, not just about the table, but also in regards to that translation that you read from. Because guess what? That's what I'm using this morning. (laughs) And sometimes it is just uh, advantageous to use a different translation just for ease of reading, a sort of ease of understanding. And I think it kind of helps us out in this particular lesson this morning. And so I'll be using that NLT uh, as we take a look at this lesson from Titus this morning. So, title of our lesson is Going Global... By going local. And Paul had sent Titus to Crete. And we'll notice that in just a few minutes in verse 5. And Titus will get to know the local people. And he will know the local issues. And the point we want to make is the gospel goes global by first going local. And so there's three points we'll give consideration to. Living on the local. And I think that's what Paul's telling Titus to do. And then he'll be looking for leaders. And I want us to kind of qualify that this morning. Because oftentimes we just look at that first chapter of Titus. We start talking about elders. Uh, but what's the ramifications of that? What's he suggesting? And then to go global, bring it home. And so that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. Let me ask you, as we get ready to get into this and look at uh, various passages from the book of Titus this morning. Have you ever thought about going on a mission trip for Jesus? And if you've thought about that, where did you think about going? Because a lot of times, whenever we think about going on a mission trip, where are we going to (laughs) go? We're going to cross the Atlantic, or we're going to cross the Pacific, or we're going to go halfway around the globe. We're going to go on this mission trip for Jesus. And so it's kind of a big thing. It's a grand thing, and that's what we want to do. Well, that's a good thing. But I want to ask you this question. Do you think you can go local, or do you think you can go global by staying local? And so that's a little bit different concept, a little bit different take on that, but I believe that we need to give consideration to that. You know, oftentimes whenever we make reference to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it is actually that good news that we have brought into our lives or had brought into our lives. And that's what leads us out to missions. The gospel comes in, and then the natural response of that is we want to go out. The good news that I've enjoyed in my life, then I want to share with someone else. Over in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, in about verses 14 and 15, is where the Apostle Paul talks about the fact that he died and rose for us. And because we have enjoyed that blessing, those who now live, and this is just kind of a paraphrase of what he's saying, those who now live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died and rose for us. That's what Jesus did for me. And so therefore, he died for me. So therefore, I should want to live for him. Let me give you another little take on that. 
because I read this one time and it's like it's stuck with me forever since. And this writer was saying that Jesus paid the price for my sins on the cross. That's essentially what Cameron read for us this morning from Isaiah. His paying the price for my sins gets me out of hell and into heaven. But the fact that Jesus rose from the grave gets Jesus out of heaven and into me. Can you see that? So now I know through the gospel I've been forgiven of my sins and I can live forever. That's good news. Death no longer has that hold over us. Sin no longer has that hold over us. So Jesus gives the Great Commission, Matthew the 28th chapter, right? Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. That's going global, isn't it? How does that happen? Well, I want to remind you, just recently we finished studying the book of Acts. And so when you want to think about the logistics of how the gospel is going to go worldwide, I think Jesus gives us insight in Acts chapter 1. Because just before he ascends back into heaven and he's giving this commission to the apostles and he tells them to go and wait in the city... And what does he say? And you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. And then Judea. And then Samaria. And then to the utmost parts of the world. That gospel is going to start well. Right there. It's going to start local. And then from local, it will spread out from there. And from there, it will go further. And then to the utmost parts of the world. Can we see that? And then we think about the Apostle Paul going on those missionary journeys. Even the very first one, Acts 13. He goes into that area of Galatia. He goes to those various cities and he makes disciples and he establishes churches, local groups, right? And then the gospel is being spread throughout the world. I want you to keep that in mind as we take a look at Titus this morning. And Paul sending Titus to Crete. That's a local work that is being established there. And Paul wants Titus to go and to work with them. And think about why he left him there. Titus chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 5. I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. So Paul's telling Titus, I left you on the island of Crete so that you can complete, so that you can finish the work that we started there, and I want you to appoint elders there. So I want you to think about that for a moment. So if the gospel is to go worldwide, 
And Paul is telling Titus, I'm leaving you right here in this particular locale. Then how is that going to work to help spread the gospel worldwide? Well, think of it like this. Let's suppose, you know, because we as humans, we're inclined to want to do big things, right? Want to be known for doing something grand. So let's suppose for a minute, you just wanted to have some kind of grand event at your house. You wanted to have a big dinner. You wanted to invite a lot of folks. And you've been planning for this. How are you going to do that? Well, now you have this grand idea. I'm going to have this big get-together. I'm going to bring in all kinds of people. It's going to be wonderful. And then somebody says, how are you going to do that? And then you stop, kind of scratch your head for a minute, and you go, well, I guess I'm going to have to go to Hy-Vee. <laughs> or Price Chopper, or Aldi's, or wherever it is you go. I'm going to have to go down there. And I'm going to have to get the cart. And I'm going to have to push the cart down the aisle. And I'm going to have to get the things I need. And then back home, going to have to vacuum, <laughs> dust the furniture, set the table. You follow what I'm saying? I got this big idea. I got this big plan. But what's the logistics of that? I got to push the cart. In order to have this big thing, I got to do some kind of ordinary stuff. <laughs> Seems kind of minute, kind of small. <laughs> it's the same thing with the gospel. The Great Commission is referred to as the Great Commission because it's a Great Commission. <laughs> Go make disciples of all the nations. What's the logistics of that? We got to preach the gospel local first. And then it goes from there. Let me read to you now from Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now, at just the right time, He has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God our Savior that I have been entrusted with this work for Him. I am writing to you, Titus, my true son in the faith, that we share May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. What Paul's saying. I've got this message about eternal life that God promised before time began and it accords with godly living and I've been entrusted with these messages and we share this, Titus, and I've left you on Crete. So let me ask you something. What grand thing does Paul want Titus to do? 
Titus, I want you to stay right there on the island of Crete. And I want you to talk about that message, that promise that God made before time began that it is accordant with godly living and is promising eternal life. I want you to teach these people about that. I want you to teach them about salvation. I want you to teach them about the hope they have. I want you to teach them about godly living. Right there, Titus. Titus might say, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I'd like to sail the Mediterranean. <laughs> That's a big thing. I'd like to go off to Greece. I'd like to go to Spain. Or I'd like to go to Rome. I'd like to be doing a big thing. And Paul says, you're doing a big thing. We're taking this global. But we got to do it. One locale at a time. If we're going to reach the world, we got to reach Crete. Can you see that? For this reason, I left you there. That you might finish the work. And that you might appoint elders. I want you to think about this for just a moment too. Titus? You know Titus? You remember reading about Titus in the New Testament? Titus is a gifted guy. Talented guy. A willing worker for the Lord. Do you remember when Paul was in Antioch? And there was this kind of big strife and struggle that was going on about circumcision and the law and the gospel. And so he decided that he should go back up to Jerusalem. And there was a fella that was uncircumcised that went with him. You know who that was? That was Titus. Do you know when he wrote, and we're studying 1 Corinthians, do you know when Paul was all worried about the church at Corinth? Do you know who met him in Macedonia and brought him good news about the church at Corinth? Titus. Do you know who had gone to Dalmatia? Paul talks about it over 2 Timothy. Titus. Do you know who will go to Nicopolis after he's been in Crete? Titus. Titus is kind of a big deal. But he's on the island of Crete. And Paul said, I left you there for this reason. Titus might say, you know, Paul, <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. You sure you want me here on this little island? Yeah, it's right where I want you, Titus. Because what you're doing, it is a big deal. You know how big Crete is? Missouri's about twice the size of Crete. And he says, I left you there to finish the work and to appoint elders in every city. So establish congregations, appoint elders, 
on this island out there in the middle of the Mediterranean. Now, I grew up in California. We drove to the Midwest a lot of times. And you know when you leave California, and we live not far from the Pacific Ocean, there's a lot of folks there. You know that? There's a lot of folks there. But you head east, and you get sort of towards the eastern side of California, and you start getting towards Arizona, and you know what you run into? You run into a lot of cactus. And a lot of desert. And then you come upon these little towns out there. And all around there's nothing. It's just desert. I want you to think about this for a moment. you got somebody that's real talented. Real capable. And you take him out there in the middle of the desert in this town. And say, I want you to work right here. That's Crete. Only it's not surrounded by desert. It's surrounded by water. <laughs> but it's out there in the middle of nowhere. And Paul says, I want you, Titus, to go here and to work here on this locale. Because if we're going to reach the world, we got to reach Crete. Paul knows it's a global thing. But if we're going to reach everybody, we got to reach them too. You know what Paul's telling Titus? I need you to go to the grocery store. I need you to push the cart. I need you to sweep the floors. I need you to dust the furniture. Right there, Titus. We're doing a global thing. But we're doing it in a local way. So now then, this is where I believe that we get just a little bit different perspective on what Paul is telling Titus about appointing elders. Once again, I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. So you know what Paul is saying to Titus? You're there. And I want you to pay attention to the people that you're around. Take a look around, Titus. And are there any folks there, any men there, that you think you that could be leaders in this movement? I want to read from you from verse 10, verse 11. Now listen. For there are many rebellious people where... He's talking about right there where Titus is. On Crete. For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it for money. What's Paul telling him? Titus, there's, there's issues. In that locale where you are, there's issues. 
And there are some people there, these are religious folks, <laughs> that are teaching things that they ought not to teach. And they need to be silenced. In other words, teach the truth so that that might be silenced. Every, every movement needs leaders. But they must be capable, qualified, and willing Because Paul mentions elders here in Titus chapter one, but when he writes to the or when he writes to Timothy, he also mentions elders over in First Timothy chapter three, and he says, "If a man desire the office, he desires a good work." You hear that? So when he writes to Titus, he'll give those qualifications of these men. And when he writes to Timothy, he'll give those qualifications of those men. Their capabilities and their character and that they should desire a good work. What does that mean? We're looking for leaders. What kind of leaders are we looking for? We're looking for leaders who can live as an example, who are capable of teaching and they are willing workers. You know, there's a lot of men oftentimes looking for a position that are not really looking for the work. And if you're going to reach the world, and if you're going to reach them one local at a time, somebody's got to do the work there. Somebody has got to push the cart. <laughs> Can I see that? Somebody's got to sweep the floor. That seems so, not so grand, doesn't it? And what he's saying is, no, it is grand. And you've got to have men who are desirous of doing that. And they're willing to get their hands dirty, so to speak. And they're willing to get in and do the work. Because if this movement is going to be successful, you need somebody to help lead this work. And so I'm leaving you there, Titus. And I want you to work because we're doing a global thing. But it's got to be done on a local basis. Beginning at verse 6. An elder must, be, must live a blameless life. He's that be the husband of one wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation of being wild or rebellious. An elder is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a drinker, violent, dishonest with money. Rather, he must, I like this, because most translations say hospitable. What's that mean? Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. And he must love what is good. He must, be, he must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. 
He must have strong belief in the trustworthy message that he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. It's the kind of leader we're looking for. Okay? So he says. Verse 12. Now listen to this. You think about those qualifications. Verse 12. Even one of their own men. Now this person is talking about the citizens of Crete. Okay. This is where the work is going to be done. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars. They are cruel animals and lazy gluttons. And we listen to that and we think, ooh, that's a little harsh, isn't it? I believe what he's saying is, hey, here's the society into which you are bringing the gospel. This is the society in which we are looking for leaders. We are looking for leaders who have been taught and they have exemplary families and they have exemplary lives. And these people that are on Crete, not only can they be taught, they will be able to see what we're talking about. Can we see that? That's what he's saying. This movement needs leaders, but it needs capable, qualified leaders who are willing to do the work. Why? Because we're doing a global thing on a local basis. And it's a grand thing. But somebody has to push the cart. Can we see that? I don't think he's trying to be overly critical of the citizens of Crete. I think he's just trying to be real. And you know what he's saying? These people need the gospel. They need salvation. They need to know how to live life, godly lives, because it's in their best interest, and this is what really will help give them hope. So let me ask you a question. Do you think our society needs that? Most everybody know I spent a number of years with local high school. Do you remember the PTA? Well, if you can remember it, that's good. Because some folks don't even remember it. It's not what it once was. <laughs> I assure you of that. And do you know that in a lot of schools, not just here, you can read it every day in the news, it's in the headlines. Local schools and districts and you know what they're saying about parents being involved? <laughs> parents shouldn't be involved in their child's education. I'm like, what? <laughs> parents shouldn't be involved in their child's education? 
Have you heard some of that rhetoric? Now let me ask you again. Do you think our society needs this message? There's salvation. There's hope. There's godly living. Paul says, I left you in Crete to finish the work and appoint elders. And these elders have to be qualified. And they have to live these exemplary lives. And they have to be able to teach. And they've got to be willing to get their hands dirty. Why? Because the people on Crete need it. And if we're going to reach the world, we've got to reach Crete too. You know, when I uh, read those headlines or I hear in the news someone say parents should not be involved in their child's education, I receive a tax statement. I bet you do too. (laughs) And you know what my local school tax is? I could tell you the exact amount. It's no small thing. It's a big thing and it's getting bigger. And I sent a child through this local school district. And so people say, you don't have any right, any input in your child's education. And I ask this question, whose child is that? And who pays for that school? So you take your car up here to the local mechanic. And he opens the hood and he starts doing things and he starts pouring things in. And you go, wait wait a minute, what what are you doing? He said, don't worry about it, it's none of your business. Just pay the bill. You say, whoa, now wait a minute, that's my money. That's my car. I want to know what you're doing. So you take your child to the doctor. And the doctor says, I'm going to give your child this shot. And I'm going to give them this medicine. And it's going to cost you a lot of money. (laughs) And he said, well, wait a minute. (laughs) What is that that you're giving them? And what's it going to do for them? And the doctor looks at you and said, don't worry about it. It's none of your business. And you say, what? Okay. This past Wednesday... You know what last Wednesday was? It was International Women's Day. <coughs> Recognize women of the world. Isn't that a good thing? So our White House invites a person that is going to get the Woman of Courage Award. International Women's Day presented by our First Lady the Woman of Courage Award. And you know who it went to? Get ready. It went to a biological man. I'm not making it up. Go read last Wednesday's news. The governor of Arkansas just recently, I liked her statement in referencing some of the things that are being taught, some of the things that are being promoted within our society, she said we now have a choice between normal and crazy. 
I'm not trying to go political. But I'm telling you, it's being brought home. It's being brought right here. And if you're going to touch the world, you know where you've got to touch them first? If you're going to reach the world, you know where you've got to reach them first? Right on the local level. So when Paul says in regards to the Cretans, they are liars, they are evil beasts, they are lazy gluttons, he follows it up by saying this testimony is true. He's saying what has happened to the morals on the island of Crete. And so we look around. And it's like, what has happened in this country? And do you think they need this? Salvation? Hope? Godly living? The love of God. I'm not saying we should go crazy and do weird things and threaten. No, that's not the way the gospel's taught. But you know what Paul is saying when he's talking about these men? He's saying we need qualified, capable. But they're going to have to be ready to get their hands dirty. And they're going to have to stand up against this. He says, because some mouths need to be silenced. I don't think he's talking about going over there physically. <laughs> what he's talking about is living the gospel in your life, showing God's love in your life to other people, teaching them, and whenever they say, no, you're crazy, or all kinds of bad things about you or threaten you, you may do it. That's not going to change what I believe. That's not going to make me take on your methods in order to teach this. It's the love of God shown to others. Just the way Jesus did. That's what Cameron read this morning. He was beaten, not for his sins, but for our sins. And how did he respond? So it's a grand thing you're doing, Titus. And if we're going to reach the world, we've got to reach Crete. And are there problems on Crete? Absolutely. So, thirdly, uh, that was second. <laughs> Looking for leaders. Thirdly, Go global, you got to first bring it home. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 once again. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and then to the utmost parts of the world. And Paul tells Titus, I left you there in Crete to finish the work and to appoint elders. Christians are supposed to be the salt and the light of the world. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. 
And so we need to think about locality as it's talked about within the Scriptures. We read throughout the New Testament and in the book of Revelation, there's Ephesus, there's Corinth, there's Philippi, there's Jerusalem, there's Troas, there's Smyrna, there's Sardis, there's Philadelphia, there's Thyatira, and we could go on. People converted to Jesus Christ, establishing congregations on a local level to bring light and good news and godly living to that community. That's God's plan. Sounds kind of ordinary, doesn't it? But what he's saying is, I need somebody right there to push the cart. To sweep the floors. To dust the furniture. Because we're doing a global thing. On a local level. Isaiah. Asked the question. We've been studying the Old Testament right? (laughs) And we see how dark it got. In Judah and in Israel. And Isaiah asked the question. How long O Lord. And he said, till the cities are empty. Until they're all laid waste. In other words, you don't quit, Isaiah. Jeremiah, chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, in Anatoth, in the land of Benjamin. We read that and it sounds kind of strange to us, doesn't it? Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, in Anatoth, in the land of Benjamin. You read from Isaiah, Isaiah, the son of Amos. And then, he preaches under the reign of Uzziah, and Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah. We'll be talking about those kings in our Wednesday night class. And we read that, and it kind of sounds foreign to us. Names that's hard for us to pronounce. A long time ago in a land that we're not familiar with. So let me translate it for you. Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, in Anatoth, in the land of Benjamin. Isaiah, serving under the reins of Uzziah, and Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So let me make the application. I'm not a prophet, so you can laugh when I say this. But to translate, I'm Larry, son of Wesley. In Platte City, in the land of Missouri, Serving under Reagan and Bush and Clinton and Bush and Obama and Trump and Biden. Now can we relate? And just like some of those kings that we've been studying in the Old Testament, sometimes the nation did real well under certain kings. 
And other times, the morals were at a low, weren't they? And so can we look at our own nation? And do you remember when the campaign slogan was, Character Matters? (laughs) Boy, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? And what's happened since? Paul says, I left you. I left you in Crete. Finish the work. Appoint elders. You got to get your hands dirty. We're doing a global thing on a local level. Teach salvation. Teach hope. Teach godly living. It takes ordinary tasks to do a grand thing. But that's the privilege that you and I have been given. So here's the question. A lot of times people talk about, I want to go way over wherever (laughs) and take the gospel. So I was sitting in a restaurant in Kentucky a few years ago. This was before the pandemic, okay? (laughs) And I'm talking with a fella from a local congregation, a big congregation. And he's telling me how they're sending him to China. Like I say, before the pandemic, right? (laughs) They're sending him to China. And sort of tongue-in-cheek, I looked at him and I said, they're sending you to China? And he said, yeah. I said, do you think they could send somebody to Iowa? You get my point? Somebody has said before, this will probably get me in trouble. (laughs) Somebody ought to take a hand grenade and toss it in the middle of Texas to blow some gospel preachers out of there. You go south and you get into the Bible Belt, there's a church of Christ on every corner. You don't have to go very far north. They start getting real scarce. Go to Iowa. Go to Nebraska. Go to Minnesota. Go to the New England states. Go to the Northeast. Go to California. Follow what I'm saying? If you're going to reach the world, you got to reach the local too. And don't forget about it. So here's the question. We want to cross the world to take the gospel to somebody. So let me ask you. Will you, cross, will you walk across the room to tell a visitor hi. We cross the room to encourage a brother or sister in Christ. Will you teach a class? Will you clean the building? Will you help with the Lord's table? I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, let's think. Do we want to reach the world? Can we start here? That's the way it is. That's the way God designed it. 
Go make disciples of all the nations. Let me tell you how you get started. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. But you know what you're going to have to do in Jerusalem? You're going to have to push the cart. You're going to have to dust the furniture. You're going to have to sweep the floors. You're going to have to do all those things that are required in order for it to be successful. You want to do something grand? you got to think about the logistics and what it takes in order to do that grand thing. And that's pushing the cart. So that's Paul. That's Titus on Crete. And we want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you in making your relationship with the Lord right today, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.